that requires a man, um, it makes um, you feel like a man without actually requiring you to be a man. Um, let me uh, pray for us. Uh, we're headed into, um, I'll just put it out front, just a, a pretty sensitive subject. We're going to talk about this sex and sexuality, uh, specifically purity and uh, pornography as well. Uh, we're walking through the book of Proverbs uh, right now, and one of the things that if you've been reading uh, through Proverbs, uh, Proverbs does not in any way shy away from uh, sexual purity and what it means to be pure, uh, what that looks like, things to avoid, uh, pitfalls to run as far away as you, as you can from, uh, paths and roads and ways not to go down for it's a, a path that ultimately leads to destruction. So uh, I'm going to pray and just actually give you guys um, uh, just really just a, a few seconds uh, that you just pray, God, I'm not sure what you have for me today, but I want to receive it. And uh, this is not a message just for men. I think that's a misconception that uh, anytime someone talks about purity, the women can just get up and leave uh, and then pray that all the men listen to that message. Um, that's not the case. So I'm just going to invite you to... Uh, Find a place of disquietness and ask God to speak to your heart today uh, through uh, Scripture. Father God, um, I give thanks that uh, the Bible uh, altogether and very specifically Proverbs uh, addresses this issue of sex and sexuality. And um, God, I just pray you would give each of us great wisdom uh, this morning uh, to know rightly what the Bible says about purity uh, so that we might live what we know. God, I just pray that each of our hearts would be uh, wide open uh, this morning, male, female, to what you have uh, to say to us. So God, please hear these prayers now. God, I just pray for a great morning. Um, God, I just pray for a great morning, morning of joy. Uh, and God, I, I just know that uh, there are a few, if not many, uh, folks here this morning um, that are just stuck in a world of impurity. And so God, today I pray that uh, by your spirit, uh, through your scripture, you would really uh, bring a sense of conviction, uh, but also, God, just a great sense of your grace uh, coupled with that conviction. So, uh, God, please help us uh, to respond well to you today. Uh, God, I pray that whatever uh, words would come out of my mouth, uh, God, ultimately would be uh, just your scripture, uh, and things that are not from you would ultimately just be forgotten. So, uh, God, help each of us um, uh, as we wrestle uh, with what Proverbs has to say about purity. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. It's about wisdom, okay? Proverbs is uh, about wisdom. It's not just what you know. It's applying what you know to how you live your life. And I think uh, we love to apply wisdom to things like maybe relationships and friendships and finances and work and uh, things like that. We want to have wisdom in those areas of our life. Uh, but largely, uh, generally speaking, but I think largely uh, when it comes to uh, sexuality, um, sexual purity, 
uh, it seems, at least in our culture, and the church, by the way, is not, um, this, is st- this is in the church as well. This is not just a cultural thing that we're looking outside and being like, oh, those poor people who are lost in a world of sexual sin. Uh, we struggle to apply wisdom to our sexuality, and specifically our sexual purity. Um, this morning, uh, that's where I'm headed, and I'll just, I've already said this, but uh, I'm sure some people are going to feel pretty uncomfortable uh, and pretty awkward, uh, but the church uh, would do you a great disservice if we don't talk about what the Bible clearly talks about. And the Bible clearly talks about uh, sex and sexuality uh, and how we are to have wisdom as it applies to sexuality uh, and sex, because if we don't, uh, one of the great things that Proverbs specifically says um, is it sexuality and sex, where there is no wisdom, it leads to folly and sin and ultimately to uh, destruction. Um, so if you get uncomfortable, that's okay. I'm not going to worry about that. If you get embarrassed, uh, well, you're a big person, so you can handle it. Um, but you can't read the Bible and not come across passages that talk about sex and sexuality. And you just can't even live in the culture that we live in and understand how pervasive and how much of a mess our culture is and how confused our culture is when it comes to sexuality. These are just um, uh, some really, I don't share these with you by any means for shock value. Um, I did a lot of reading um, this past week on um, a lot of things that I wish I actually didn't have to read about uh, because my heart was just broken uh, over how, how messed up our world is when it comes to sexuality. The worldwide sex industry sales uh, are just shy of $100 billion um, annually. Uh, if you want to add that up, that's more revenue than Microsoft, Google, Amazon, eBay, Yahoo, Apple, Netflix, and Earthlink combined. That's how much the sex industry uh, generates annually in terms of revenue. Uh, China, $27 billion. South Korea, $25 billion. Japan, $20 billion. United States, $13 billion. Which, to put that in perspective, that's more revenue than the NFL, NBA, and MLB, which stands for Major League Baseball, and uh, the Soccer League as well. Uh, child pornography of that number right there generates $3 billion. Uh, in revenue annually worldwide. Uh, one of the things that these numbers do not include, and I don't know how much you've educated yourself on what is happening with uh, uh, the sex slave trade and just human trafficking, uh, but these numbers of $100 billion don't even touch uh, the revenue that is generated uh, through uh, human sex slave trade. Uh, there's a, a great book I've recommended out there uh, my life group, we're going to be talking a lot about it this week, actually, on Wednesday. You're more than welcome to come. Um, but it's a, it's a devastating industry of uh, hundreds of thousands of young girls and young boys are held captive for the purposes of sex. Uh, a conservative estimate, they say, is roughly about $10 billion annually. But because it's slavery, uh, they have no way of really recording that kind of thing. Uh, Every second in the United States, that's our country, uh, $3,075 is spent on pornography. So by the time I finish preaching this message, I can't do the math that quick, but it's a lot of money. Every second, $3,000 is spent. 
28,258 internet users are viewing pornography every second. This is just in America. This is not worldwide. It's a lot of people. Now, I know sometimes when you think about uh, maybe the demographics of uh, who's actually looking at pornography and uh, sex on uh, the internet, you think of, well, those crazy sexual deviant people who are uneducated, can't get a job, and so they just sit home and looking at porn all day, uh, and that is actually not the case. Um, the biggest age group, largest age group, 20%, 26% age group is 35 to 44. Those are the largest users of pornography. And if you consider men who are between ages 35 to 44, uh, those are pretty young dads if they're married and have kids. Uh, so the biggest users of pornography are actually young fathers. 21% ages 45 to 54. 20% 55 plus. So almost 70% of people who use porn are over the age of 35. So the myth of this is a high school thing, this is a college thing, that's a lie. 20%, 25 to 34. 14% is 18 to 24. Um, one out of three visitors to all adult websites are women. Again, I've already mentioned this, but I know the, uh, the belief or thought is this is clearly just a guy thing. This is not for women, and uh, the numbers would reveal very differently that uh, roughly 33% of people viewing Internet pornography are, in fact, women. Over 13,000 adult movies are released every single year. To give you a picture of what that looks like, that means every 39 minutes, a new pornographic film is being made for distribution in the U.S. alone. That's 25 times the amount that Hollywood generates, usually about 400 films uh, a year in terms of what you typically see in a theater, um, a Hollywood-type movie. 25% of search engine requests are all porn-related. That means 70 million people are typing in, whether it's porn, XXX, sex, or whatever uh, they might be looking for, but that's 70 million every single day. And out of that, 116,000 are child pornography related. Roughly 15% of all websites on the internet are pornographic, with 260 new websites every day. So by the day, by end of today, there will be uh, just shy of 300 new pornographic websites. 89% of porn is created in the U.S. China, South Korea, Japan, are, uh, they're making a lot of money from this, but 89, 90% of uh, pornography, sex industry, tapes and such, are created in America. And when I came across that, I just had a really hard time finishing the sentence, God bless America that 90% of this filth is coming from our own country. A bunch of other things, but one that I found at best interesting and sad is the most popular day of the week for viewing pornography. Anyone want to take a guess? Just, yeah, Sunday. I don't know why that would be, 70% uh, of pornography is viewed between 9 to 5, which means it's happening predominantly in the workplace. 
Uh, lots of people have lost their jobs because of their viewing habits at work. They don't work. They look at pornography. But I just found it interesting at best and just incredibly sad that uh, a day that is set aside, at least in the Christian faith, uh, as the Lord's Day, the day that we celebrate uh, His resurrection, His life, His love, His grace, His mercy for us, is the day where uh, most of the world is looking at uh, pornography. And the numbers, by the way, um, rival what's happening in the world. This is not just our culture that we're immune to this. Um, uh, these are Christians, non-Christians, viewing pornography almost at the exact same rate. It's a pretty devastating thing. Uh, if you're involved in any form of sexual immorality, whether it is pornography, whether it is just an inappropriate relationship, and we'll talk about that as well, uh, it is devastating. Devastating to you and your relationship with God. Devastating to you, your personhood, who you are and who you're becoming. You cannot help but put these things in your head and your heart and not have it affect you. And it's certainly, uh, if you're married, it will, I'll talk about this later, but it will absolutely crush not only your marriage, but your spouse, whether it is your wife or your husband who's uh, engaged and involved. And if you're not married, this stuff will uh, absolutely rot your heart. And if you're a guy, specifically towards women, you cannot look at all of these images uh, throughout the day uh, and not view women very differently, objectifying them uh, where they're just a piece of flesh. I read an article that uh, Playboy had published uh, interviewing John Mayer. Uh, John Mayer is a pretty, um, uh, what does he do? He's a singer and um, pretty popular, but in this article where he was interviewed by Playboy, he was asked repeatedly about his pornography use and he said, on an average day before I get out of bed, uh, I've planted at least 300 new images of women uh, in my mind. And these are the things that he walks around with throughout the day. This is John Mayer. You would think, why does John Mayer need to be messing around with this? I mean, my goodness, it's John Mayer, right? He's, that's a direct quote from his interview with Playboy. He was very honest, and he said, this is my quick fix. This is what I do to soothe myself uh, as I put this stuff in my head and heart. Giving you some overwhelming things, but let me back it up and just ask you, when it comes to purity, how important is purity to you? When you consider your own purity, and by the way, I'm going to hit hard on sexual purity, uh, specifically impurity. Uh, we are called, Proverbs says, to guard your heart above all things, for it is the wellspring of life. Last week, we talked about guarding your heart against pride and envy. I didn't even touch things like bitterness and anger and rage and jealousies, uh, and greed, and unforgiveness. We're called to guard our heart against all of these things. So I'm not ignoring those, but I can't focus on all of them. So this morning specifically, I'm asking about sexual purity. So when it comes to your sexuality and your sexual purity, how valuable is it to you to be pure? I think one of my, uh, one of the most profound things that Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, specifically the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 8. He said, blessed are the pure in heart. And he gave him a phenomenal promise. He said, blessed are the pure in heart for what? They will see God. A lot of us have a hard time seeing God, God not because he's hiding or he's avoiding you. Uh, it's because we filled our heart with so much junk, so much just crap in our heart and in our head 
that it's just impossible to see God because we see so many other images before we actually can see God. Many things can cause impurities in our heart. Many toxins can definitely come in. Um, And I just want you to know, this is a human thing. I know I've said this, but it's not a guy thing. It's not just a girl thing. This is a human thing. Specifically, this is a sexual thing. This is a sexual sin that any one of us at any moment in time could give into. Uh, And to be clear, when I'm talking about sex, I want you to know specifically what I'm talking about, what defines sexual impurity. So this is hopefully to be very clear. Any type of sex, okay, any type of sex that is outside the context of the marriage relationship is considered sexual impurity, okay? To be even more clear, that means fooling around sexually before you're married is considered sexual impurity, okay? I'm not just talking about sexual intercourse. Any type of fooling around uh, with boyfriend and girlfriend or whoever is considered sexual impurity. Fooling around in marriage with someone other than your spouse. That's actually called adultery. We've got a name for that one. That's considered sexual impurity. Viewing pornography, internet, videos, movies, whatever it might be, that is considered sexual impurity. Lust. Jesus actually raised the bar quite high when he said, if you lust after a woman, that's adultery. You've had sex with her in your mind, in your heart. That is as good as adultery. So lusting sexually after another person is, biblically speaking, sexual impurity. Proverbs makes very clear that if you walk the path, if you go down the road of sexual impurity, it's a road that has a dead end. And specifically, when I say dead, I mean dead, devastation, destruction. Proverbs 7.25, do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many Highlight, many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. This is personification of sexual sin, sexual impurity. I was thinking about this. If I was driving my car, I was heading into Boston, and I noticed that uh, the Zaken Bridge was gone. It disappeared. It was no longer there. And I'm driving down 93, and I'm starting to approach where it used to be, and there's nothing there except a big drop-off, I'm pretty sure I would have the wisdom to say, you know what, I don't think I'm going to make it a jump from that to the tunnel. Like, I would stop my car. Some of you might proceed, and that wouldn't necessarily be sinful. That would just be stupid. You'd die, okay? I would pull over. I would turn around. I would go a different direction because I know if I kept walking that way, it would lead ultimately to my, my destruction. With sexual sin, sexual impurity of any type, of any kind, if I know, if I have the knowledge that it will lead to a destroyed relationship with my God, a destroyed relationship with myself, those who are st- stuck in a world of sexual sin, they are self-haters. They live with a sense of, of shame and guilt and just self-hate. And if I know that it's going to destroy my my friendships, my relationship with a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and my relationship with a husband or my relationship with my wife, if I know that it's going to kill all of these things, 
Why, what is it about sexuality, sex, sexual impurity that says, I'm going to keep going. It's not going to touch me. It's not going to hurt me. I remember uh, saying this in a sermon years and years ago, uh, at Genesis actually, uh, and it came rushing back, but the reality of sin, specifically sexual sin, I really want you to catch this, it will take you down a road you never wanted to travel. It will keep you there longer than you ever wanted to stay, and it will cost you more than you were ever willing to pay. It will take you places you never imagined that you would ever set foot. It will keep you there so much longer. To the person who said, I'll just try this once. 10 years later, 15 years later, 30 years later, you're still in that same place. And the cost, if you knew how much it would cost you before, you wouldn't be willing to pay it. The devastation that it brings in terms of sexual, sexual sin, sexual impurity. Proverbs, 31 chapters, it addresses this issue of sex, sexuality, sexual impurity in almost every single chapter. It's phenomenal how much press, how much writing uh, Solomon and the other authors of Proverbs have to say about sexual impurity. The exhortations are phenomenal, and the warnings, the warnings are, are right there. One of the things I love about Proverbs is Solomon predominantly wrote it. Not everything, but almost everything. And he writes it from a very fatherly perspective. This is Proverbs uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. And this is written from Uh, father to son, you can hear the care and the concern in his voice. Verse 1 of chapter 4, listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. When I was a boy in my father's house, still tender and only a child of my mother, he taught me And said, lay hold of my words with all of your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from the path. Do not forsake wisdom. She will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. When your mom or dad, when your parents or parents gave, think, go back a few years. For some, you might be in it right now. For some, you might be 40 years removed and somewhere in between, but when your parents talked to you, when they gave you wisdom, when they said, do this and don't do that, don't go here, but spend time here, watch this person over here, but spend time with this person over here, was your reaction to your parents or parents, was it one of, you're an idiot, you know nothing, you know nothing about me, you know nothing about life, you know nothing about this world, you live in a very different place, mom or dad. How did you respond to your parents? And by the way, I'm asking that question because largely how we respond to our parents is often how we actually respond to our God. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me when to do it. Don't tell me where to go and how to get there. I'll figure it out all on my own. But if you listen to the father, Solomon, to his son, listen, pay attention, remember, lay hold of, and keep not swerving from the path of wisdom. 
Did you hear the benefit? There would be life for you, there would be protection for you, and there would be covering for you. Often kids, they can't hear the benefit of what their parent, parents are saying. All they can hear is the restriction of do this or don't do that. But they don't hear the benefit of the wisdom that someone, whether it's an older person, mom or dad, whoever it might be, is giving them. And so rather than listening and heeding the instruction of a father's advice or a mother's advice, they walk down a road that they were never meant to travel, and they pick up scars that they were never meant to live with and carry. Go back to the question, how do you, or how did you, respond to mom or dad? Because if you didn't respond well, it's a good chance you might look different, but you might be that same person just in bigger skin. (laughs) refusing to listen to someone who is saying, listen, pay attention, remember, lay hold of, and keep not swerving from any of these things. Solomon's heart for his sons, if you would just listen. He gives them, actually I'm going to read Proverbs chapter 7. Listen and pick out the exhortations that Solomon gives his sons. My son, keep, this is chapter 7, five verses. My son, keep my words and store my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. It's a great picture of that there's nothing more precious to you than what I'm telling you. There's nothing more appealing, there's nothing more attractive to you than the teaching that the Father is passing along. Bind them on your fingers. It's this picture that someone has their hands bound together. Meaning, I am committed to this way. I am locked on. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. Call understanding your kinsman. I have such a familial relationship with what my father has passed on to me. They will keep you from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive seductive words. Keep his words, store up his commands, guard the teachings, bind them on your fingers, write them on your heart, and then confirm and confess. Say to wisdom, I value you more than anything or anyone. So the one who actually heeds this exhortation, did you catch what the blessing was? Keep my commands and you will live. If you do these things, there will be life to be had for you. Everything that sexual sin, sexual impurity does is it robs you of life. It robs you of joy and peace. And it plagues you with just shame and guilt and fear. This is what Solomon told his sons to do. And then Solomon gives an illustration And he gives his sons a picture of a young man who did not heed the the exhortation of the father. Proverbs 7, starting at verse 6. At the window of my house, I looked out through the lattice, and I saw among the simple, simple in Proverbs means uh, they're not yet formed, they're immature, they haven't yet made up their mind, am I going to be a man or a woman who walks the way of wisdom Or am I going to be the one who walks the way of a fool? I'm simple. I'm unformed. I'm still immature. I still have a decision and a choice to be made. 
I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who lacked judgment. There was one among many. And I picture that this guy that he is looking at, he had the attitude of, I'm invincible, I'm untouchable, I'm unbeatable. And he begins walking down a path as the story continues. He was going down the street near her corner. We'll find out who the her is in a second. Walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading and as the dark set in. I often tell couples, and uh, sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't, but, uh, and this is not trying to be a legalist. Uh, this is trying to apply wisdom to how you live. They say goodnight to each other by about 10 o'clock p.m. If you're married, you don't have to say goodnight by 10 o'clock p.m. You can stay together. But if you're not married, rarely does anything good ever happen after about 10 o'clock p.m. It's not like you'll ever find a couple laying on a couch at midnight saying, you know, hey, let's spend some time praying together. Hey, let's bust out Ezekiel right now. Let's do some word studies on Ezekiel. Rarely, if ever, generally speaking, does anything good happen when a guy is alone with a girl in a dark place, in a dark house, laying on a couch all by themselves. It's a good chance that they're not meditating on godliness and holiness and purity. This guy begins his journey at twilight, and when the night, the darkness of night sets in, he meets her. Enter a new character into the story. Proverbs 7, starting at verse 10. Then out came a woman to meet him. Listen to her, this description from Solomon of who the her is. Dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent. She is loud and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares. At every corner she lurks. She took hold of him. This is the simple one who stood out among the rest of the youth that were there and walked down at twilight and in dark settled in her place. She took hold of him and kissed him with a brazen face and said, I've got fellowship offerings at home. Today I have fulfilled my vows. That's a, that's a cue, that's key for I'm a spiritual person. In our context, I'm a Christian. I'm a Bible-believing Christian. In her context, I've done everything that the Old Testament law has said. I'm a good person. I'm paying attention to the Bible. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you, and I have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Why you'd put cinnamon on your bed, I'm not sure. But back in the day, that's how they rolled. Come, let's drink deep of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. Nothing has changed in about 3,000 years since this was written. Sex and love, love and sex, they're one and the same, and they're not. How many times I've heard people, well, it's okay, I love her, I love him. My husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He took his, his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. 
What is your first impression of this woman? I tried to read it slow and dramatic for you, but what is your first impression of this woman? Now, depending on where I was and in certain circles, I could read that story and there would be a guy who'd be like, man, why can't I meet a girl like that? And they would laugh and they would think it's funny. Some girl to come out and brazenly kiss me and entice me and seduce me. Come to bed with me. Everything's prepared. I've looked for you. I found you. I love you. There are some men who would say, where are those types of women? And they would look at her And they would say, that is what a great, great woman, a woman of the flesh. Where are they? Specifically, men of Genesis, I hope that when you hear me read what Solomon wrote as a descriptor of who that woman is, I hope that your heart breaks for her brokenness. This is not a guy thing. This is not a girl thing. This is a human thing. I hope when you hear the description of who she is and what she was doing, your heart breaks because behind all of that masquerade that she put on for this young man is a broken, broken woman dressed like a prostitute. It's very sad to me personally, and I hope at some level it is for you, men or women, when I see a woman who is dressed in a very, very revealing way. And I'm not trying to say this is a call to be illegalistic and you should have turtlenecks on and then you should wear parkas in the summer and then wear two parkas in the winter. I'm not suggesting that. But what's sad to me is when I see women who dress very, very, very revealing is it actually reveals something else. A woman's deep insecurity. I need to show something in order to get something. I need to show you something so that I can get something, namely that you would pay attention to me, that you would want me, that you would love me, that you would like me, that you would notice me. That's exactly what this woman is doing. She dressed very provocatively with crafty intent. She was very bold and aggressive, very deceptive in her speech. And a broken woman who was living in a very broken home who was part of a very broken marriage relationship. Where on earth was her husband? The detail that the, you have to understand a little bit of, um, of Proverbs, but this picture that he wasn't just gone on some business trip. The fact that it says he was gone and he had a lot of money with him It's this picture of, do you remember the story of the prodigal son? He took a lot of wealth and went prodigal, meaning he wasted it. It's a picture of a husband here who's not just some faithful husband trying to work to provide for his family. It's a husband who's gone astray himself and has gone prodigal and is living very wasteful. If this man, this young man, who's being seduced and enticed by this woman had any wisdom whatsoever, the second where she said, my husband's gone, he should have bolted. He should have ran. But he didn't. He was seduced, led astray by her smooth talk, meaning it all sounded really good. That ever happened to you? Where something sounded so good, you're like, it doesn't look great, 
I'm, it's kind of shady, but it's like infomercials. You know, they just make it sound so good, but you look at it and you're like, man, that, that's probably going to break if someone blows on it. But you buy it. I've been sucked into infomercials on two occasions, I won't tell you. <laughs> One of them was an abductor, and it didn't work. Sorry for my side note there. But it's happened where it sounds really, really, really good, and so you give into it just because it sounded good. That's exactly what this young, simple man did. And he graduated, by the way. This was his graduation. He went from being simple to now being a fool. The second he made the decision to go and be with her, he was no longer a simple person. He made a decision, he made a choice, and said, I'm not walking the way of wisdom, I will walk the way of the fool. Proverbs 7, 22, verse 23 all at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow, arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare. Three graphic images of animals walking into their death and destruction. This is what became of him. Little knowing it will cost him his life. Solomon gives a final exhortation to us, his sons. He exhorted us in the beginning with six specific things of storing up and binding your hands and writing them on the tablets of your heart. He tells the story of a, a young, simple man who graduated to now be a fool, and he painted a picture of a really broken woman. And then Proverbs 7.24, he says this, Now then, my sons, listen to me, Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. Okay, I can't get much more painstakingly obvious of where sexual sin, sexual impurity will take you. It leads to the destruction of you, the destruction of your relationship with God, the destruction of your relationship with a spouse, the destruction of your relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or just people in general. Solomon says, you got to choose which path will you walk. If you want to be the wise one, then walk in the way of wisdom, which does not walk anywhere near that house. If you want to be a fool, then you know the path to take. I love that Proverbs forces you and I to make a decision. Are you going to be wise or are you going to be a fool? You can't live as a simple person for your entire life. There comes a point in time where you must mature. Mature into a full-blown fool or mature into a full-blown wise man or wise woman. It would be very easy to just kind of have the response of like, Michael, that just doesn't happen today. Like that just doesn't make any sense. I'm not walking any streets late at night towards the house of a seductress. In our time and culture, Proverbs 7 might look very, very differently than it did back then. But actually the pathway in our culture, in our time, in our space 
It might look a little bit different, but the end game is very much the same. I realize that there's probably not any of us in here, and maybe any people you know, walking down the street in the suburbs late at night, well, whose house, where is she? Like, why is no one calling for me? Like, I realize that's not happening. But how I see actually Proverbs 7 play out in our day, in our time, our culture, is really two ways, and I'll finish with this. It plays out primarily, number one, in what I'll just call public sexual hookups. Okay, what I mean by that is the men and women who just go to the bars, who go to the club scene. They're just looking for someone to connect with. And if it means connecting with them physically, so be it. The dating websites that are specifically designed for sexual hookups. Boyfriends and girlfriends who somehow convince themselves that, yeah, I'm not married, but it's okay to be, you know, having sex. Or it's okay, you know, for we're not having sex, but as long as we're not doing that, we're okay. This is all under the banner of public sexual hookups. Or one that just is heartbreaking, especially, is the friends with benefits. Men who use women for their benefit, women who use men for their benefit, but they have absolutely no commitment to one another. They're just using each other, but they smile at each other and say, we're friends, we just have benefits. That's such a sick way if someone would wake up and say, you know what, I don't really care about you, I just want to use you. Characters are often the same, simple people who have yet to make up their mind. As seen in the bars and dating websites, boyfriends, girlfriends who just want to hook up, friends with benefits. They give themselves to anyone and everyone. That's how I see Proverbs 7 play out in our day and age. And I want you to know if that's you, if you're just, it's all casual to you. If it's all just this casual game to you. I like how Proverbs 6 actually says it. Solomon says this, verse 27. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes clothes being burned. I would like someone to try that. See how it goes for you. Be willing to put some fire in your lap. Just give it 10 seconds. Heck, give it five seconds. See what happens to you. Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. The proverb is very clear. If you mess with sexual sin, sexual impurity, it will burn you. The attitude that this is not impacting me, this is not hurting me, this is not hurting anyone else, that is such a lie. It is absolutely burning you. Fire, in the context of a fireplace or a fire pit, can be beautiful. It can warm you. It can be amazing. You ever been to just a a fire that's in its right context, maybe a bonfire, whatever it is? It's just beautiful. You can stare at the flames and it's like, wow, that's gorgeous. But the second you take fire out of its appropriate context, a bonfire, a fire pit, or fireplace, it destroys. The second you remove sexuality, sex, from the marriage context, you will get burned. That's exactly what this proverb is teaching. The second thing of how Proverbs, at least I see Proverbs play out, Proverbs 7, 
is, I talked about public sexual encounters, it will burn you. Secondly, private sexual encounters. I showed you a clip at the very beginning, which I'm not sure if you remember now, but it's actually a, a, a great documentary called Somebody's Daughter, A Journey to Freedom for, from Pornography. It's an incredible, incredible documentary of men and women who were enslaved to, uh, to pornography. Private sexual encounters. The reality with pornography is it's very per- pervasive, it's very powerful, and it's very private. Meaning, you might not be the person who's going to go into some adult bookstore or to some, I don't know, massage parlor, parlor because that's just too shameful to you. But this is what pornography has done. And I, this is connected to Proverbs 7. I, I, I want you to see that. Private sexual encounters mainly, namely, largely through pornography. And this is one, if you do not root it out, it will destroy. It will absolutely destroy. These are some of the lies, okay? And I'm going to give you a few different lies, and I really want you to hear this. The lie that men and women, and women, by the way, one in three, it's a pretty large number, one in three, the lie that men and women believe about sexual sin, namely pornography, number one, it will never happen to me. I'm above that stuff. I'm not that sexual deviant freak who's looking at pornography late at night at work in the morning. I'm not that guy. I'm not that woman. That would never happen to me. I wonder, as I was thinking about that lie, how often King David said to himself, who was described as a man after God's own heart, I would never do such a thing. One adultery, one murder, one cover-up, one destroyed family later, I wonder if he sat to him and thought, I can't believe that happened to me. I wonder when Solomon finally stopped saying to himself, after 700 wives, after 300 girlfriends, I guess I I can't say anymore that this is not going to happen to me. Lie number one, it will never happen to me. I love 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11 and 12. These things happen to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us in whom the fulfillment of the law has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. If you are not in this right now, I applaud you. That is by the grace of God. But don't be prideful. If the second you think that you have conquered this and you're better than this. It's a great warning in Corinthians. If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. One of the hard things with pornography is it's a good chance you won't get caught just in the privacy of your own home. And if you're relatively good with computers, you can hide it. Number two, it's not that big of a deal. This is hurting no one. After all, they are just images, nothing more, nothing less. That's the second lie. It's not that big of a deal. This is hurting no one. They're just images, nothing more. That clip, I don't know if you remember it, but one of the things I strongly disagree with what those men said is pornography is just images. They are not images. They are women. They are men. They are people who have been created in the image of God. That girl is some guy's, is someone's daughter. 
She's someone's sister. She's not just some pixel. She's not just some image. That is a human being created in the same image of God that you are. She's got a dad. She's got a mom. She's not just an image. So if you think that it's not that big of a deal, know number one, it's not just an image. It's a real person with a real story, with a real family, and with a real father, namely God. Second, the very nature of porn, it's designed to keep you in bondage that you become a slave to your computer. To those who have been there, this is not like a two-minute thing, a five-minute thing. You could be there sitting for hours upon hours. Half the reason why so many people show up to work not only late and exhausted is because they've been up the entire night before. Why? Because they couldn't pull themselves away from their computer screen. So if you think it's not hurting anyone, it's making you a slave to a computer screen. Third, the starting point is never the ending point. What you swore you'd never look at now is the thing you're looking at because the further and further down you go, it's just not enough anymore. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. I cannot believe the stuff I'm looking at now. I swore I would never type that in. I swore I'd never look at that stuff. The starting point, it's just a starting point. It's never the ending point. Number four, single or married, it will kill you. It will rot your heart. It will rot your mind. If you're a guy, specifically towards women, you will never be able to look at women the same way. 300 images before he gets out of bed, John Mayer said. So every woman he encounters throughout his day, I can't even imagine the thousands of people he stands in front of on the stage completely objectifying all of these women as just flesh. Number five, if you're married, it will absolutely trash your marriage for multiple reasons, but I'll give you one because you will never be able to develop intimacy with someone who you have secrets with. Don't be confused. Intimacy and sex are not the same thing. Intimacy has to do with knowledge. I have intimacy with my wife, Kyla, because I know her. I know stuff about that woman that no one else on this entire planet knows. And she knows stuff about me that no one else knows. That's why we have intimacy. If I have secrets from her, if she has secrets from me, and porn, it's a big secret. I will not be able to develop intimacy with my spouse. Why? Because I'm holding out knowledge. Six, if you are married, it's not only going to just trash your marriage, but it will crush your wife. Do you know why? Because she can't compete If you are a wife and your husband is, or your boyfriend is engaged and involved in looking at pornography, I have bad news for you. You will lose every single time in the competition game. That might sound too hard for you to hear, but that is the reality of pornography. You will lose every single time. In the comparison game, there's always winners and losers, and this comparison game, your spouse cannot keep up. Specifically, she cannot compete 
with what is not real. Okay, pornography. I've read interview after interview with women who have exited the industry, and they they keep saying again and again, this is staged, it's fake, it's like professional wrestling. And I hate to break your bubble, if you think professional wrestling is real, it's fake. Pornography is fake. It's completely staged. She can't keep compete with what is not real. She cannot compete with pretend perfection. That's what they put on the screens. Computers, TV, internet, whatever it might be. She cannot compete with pretend perfection. She cannot compete with the variety that you are exposed to. I don't know if John Mayer is married, but how could his wife, girlfriend, keep up with 300 different women? She cannot compete with the accessibility and the availability of all of these women that you see. Why? Because she's actually human and is limited by time and space, where the computer, you can have it any time you want. And I think more than anything, she can't compete with the endless fantasy you script in your mind. Because that's ultimately what pornography is about. It's a big fantasy. And you start writing these stories in your head. And she can't compete and keep up with these different fantasies that you're concocting in your mind. Your wife will always be at the losing end of a battle that she never signed up to even be engaged in and fighting. Plagued with insecurity. If I only look like that. If I was only a little skinnier, had a little bit whatever. She will be hammered with the reoccurring thought, this is my fault. If I would have just done this, if I would have just said this, if I would have been more available here, this is my fault. She will be tempted to begin to even compromise her own convictions just to accommodate your sin. It's not that really, it's not that big of a deal. It's just, it's just images. Bless you. Your wife will be crushed under the weight of your sin because the enemy will use your sin to condemn your spouse. If you're single now and you're thinking porn won't impact your marriage eventually, that is another lie that you need to own up to now and say that's just not true. What you see today, it will not be forgotten tomorrow. And even if tomorrow is 10 years from now, you will remember, and the reality is, the more you store up today, the more you'll have to forget even 10 years from now. And if you're single now and you're thinking, I will never get married, so I can look at as much porn as I want because this is not going to ever impact my spouse. Well, it will impact your walk with God. It will impact you. And you will never have actually a healthy relationship with another woman. You just can't look at her the same way. Because once you've seen the, the, what pornography portrays, you will objectify everyone. I have a lot more, but I'm going to stop. I'm going to finish with another lie. I had written down a bunch. I put this down as one. The lie is, if I come clean, if I confess, I will be absolutely rejected by God. This is the unforgivable... I've done too much, I've seen too much, I've done all of it. And 
I have nothing but guilt and shame and rejection awaiting for me. So I'd rather live in my secret duplicitous life than come out and confess to God. I like John 1.17. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Another great verse um, that talks about what Jesus has done is not only come to give us grace for sins, all sins, not just sexual sins, but all sins, is John 8.36. And it's a famous verse that our culture knows well. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus did not come to put shackles on you, but actually to take the shackles of our sin off. Paul says almost the same. What benefit in Romans 6, what benefit did you reap at the time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things resulted in death, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, servants of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Just want you to know, without Jesus, there's no hope. I'll just say it straight. But with Jesus, there's freedom. There is grace. There is mercy. There is forgiveness. Without Jesus, there's none of that. It will be perpetually living in this big secret life of my shame and my fear and my guilt. And if this is something that you're stuck in right now, and you're like, Michael, I'm, I'm, I'm actually listening to you right now, but I don't feel any sense of guilt or conviction, I would pray before you leave here, God, would you please soften my heart that I would be convicted about this? God, please give me a heart that would actually be broken over my own sin and how I'm destroying myself and my life. Before you leave here uh, today, and again, I, I know this is, uh, I'm giving you a lot, and I'm telling and sharing with you a lot. We're going we're gonna to pray, we're going to worship for a bit, but I just want you to respond to what God's been telling you. If you've got things that you need to confess, then confess those things to God, and then receive the grace and forgiveness He has. And maybe before you leave here, let your prayer be King David's prayer in Psalm 51, verse 10, where it says, create in me what? A clean, a pure heart. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Before you leave, confess what you need to confess with God. If you're married, confess this to your spouse today. Let her or let him come alongside you. Ask for forgiveness. And if you are married, just so you know, have the courage to ask your husband, is this a reality for you? Is this going on in your life? Because I love you and I want to come alongside you. And if you're a husband, have the courage to ask your wife, is this a reality for you? Can I come alongside you so that we can help each other grow into the men and women God's created us to be, which is pure, which is holy, which is righteous, which is in the image of Christ? finished with a very practical thing of, uh, I have this on all of my stuff. It might be confession to God. It might be a confession to a spouse. And by the way, if you're in a pretty serious dating relationship, uh, there are some boundaries you need to talk about. 
But if there is sexual sin, and I'm not just talking about pornography, you might need to confess some stuff today to God and ask one another to forgive each other and renew a commitment and a covenant of purity. One of the things that has been incredibly helpful for me and incredibly helpful for a lot of men in our community uh, is, Christy, can you put these up? I've got uh, three separate computers. I've got a desktop, I've got my laptop, and I've got my iTouch. On every single one of my computers, I have what's called X3. X3 is not preventative software. I can go anywhere on the internet that I want. It won't stop me. But every single week, my wife Kyla and Jeremy Alexander get a report of where I've been on the internet. And for me, that's enough. I don't want my wife reading a report that I've, wherever I've been. I've got that on my iTouch. Why do I have it on my iTouch? Because I can get internet access on my iTouch. And I've got it on my two computers. Weekly, those individuals get reports. And a lot of men in our community use this software. If you're a leader in the church, you should have that software. I get about a half a dozen reports from men in our community who are pursuing the way of purity. The other two safe eyes and covenant eyes are internet tracking where you'll get a report of where you've been on the internet, but it also blocks you from the internet. I will probably be installing covenant eyes on my computer very soon. Not for my own benefit, but for my son's benefit. The average age that a child is introduced to pornography is age 11. My son's seven. And he actually already knows how to use the computer pretty well. Lego.com and PBS.com is like his favorite thing is to go to. And it scares me to death to know that he will grow up in a world where he's going to have to have so much of this stuff thrown at him. So is his dad... As best I can, I will pass along wisdom and knowledge so that my sons, my daughter, will make the right decisions and to guard and protect them from which rots and destroys life and marriages and friendships and relationships. Father God, I just we asked you about an hour ago that you would speak to each of us God, I trust that you have. God, if there is uh, any man or woman here today who's just under the weight of sexual impurity, sexual sin, their heart right now is just racing. God, I just pray that they would confess what needs to be confessed. And God, I pray that you would flood them, men and women, with forgiveness and mercy and grace, that they would be able to come today and celebrate communion completely forgiven. God, if there's any marriages in here that are dying under the weight of this in their marriage, God, I pray that you would restore men and women, husbands and wives and relationships so that they would honor you and honor one another. 
God, I pray marriage relationships in this place would be guarded and protected. That husbands would pursue and fight like crazy for purity. Wives would guard and pursue and fight like crazy for purity. Together they would encourage and spur one another on. God, if there's folks here who are single and dabbling in sexual sin with a friend, guy friend, girlfriend, dabbling in pornography, God, I just pray there would be a great sense of conviction to confess that, repent of that, and start walking in the way of wisdom, which is the path of purity, which leads to life.